Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here. I hope you are doing well. This is interview two of two with Dr. Skylar Hamilton. Her first one was played last week on the podcast, episode 258. And that is actually a replay of her original interview, which was HM51. It was taken down a couple of years ago because at the time, Skylar was looking for jobs and didn't want to disclose her MS. It is a major consideration when you have a history of a health problem, whether you disclose that to employers or not. And at the time, she did not want to. So I took it down. In the interview, I think I refer to it as episode like 21 or 23 or something, but it was actually HM51. Don't go looking for it because it's not there. Instead, check last week's episode because now she said, it doesn't matter to me. I'm in a very different place in my life. And we did the replay last week leading up to this interview. So that is HM 258, episode 258. You can listen to her original interview about how she used hypnosis to heal her MS, to put it into remission. So today we get the update about what's happened since then. And then she also talks to us about quantum biology and quantum healing and what role hypnosis plays in that. So it is a fascinating conversation personally and professionally. Dr. Hamilton is always fascinating to talk to. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did interviewing her. And that is helpful for you to make some changes in your life that perhaps you're wanting to make. All right, I hope you're healthy and safe. Peace. Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here. And my voice sounds a little funny because I'm still recovering from COVID. I'm on like day five here. So you may hear that in my voice. Um on the podcast today, we have Dr. Skylar Hamilton, and we both have dogs, so you may hear some dog noises in the background of the interview, but hopefully they won't be too distracting. Dr. Hamilton was on the podcast very early on, episode 23, where she talked about having MS and how she has healed that with hypnosis. So she's here to give us an update. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Hamilton. Hello. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be back and give you all an update. Since then, that's been a, like, I don't know, six, seven years. We are like friendly colleagues, friends. So we keep up with each other through the years. Tell the listeners who haven't heard that podcast, just tell them a briefly, like how you were diagnosed with MS and then how the hypnosis happened and then where you're at with it now. All right. So in 2002, I was diagnosed with uh, 
multiple sclerosis and it was progressing very, very quickly. It was in the hospital. It was primary progressive IV treatments um, and ended up in a wheelchair after the birth of my second child. And I was losing vision in my left eye. So I was just deteriorating so quickly. And I started envisioning my life in a wheelchair, what my wheelchair would look like. And I was getting sicker and sicker. And I just one day was done being sick and, and summarizing. It's a series of events that led up to understanding what my secondary gain is. What was I gaining from becoming so sick so quickly? Mm-hmm. And one day I just said, I'm done. I'm just done. And I thought if I can create disease in my body with the thoughts and the stress that I'm under, why can't I create wellness? Why can't I just shift my entire perspective of this disease and create wellness? So I started imagining using hypnosis and found a hypnotherapist and started using the power of my mind to change my subconscious belief about myself, my false negative core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then I started imagining on a cellular change, um, this little Mario guy from Mario Brothers with a paintbrush painting in the myelin and the holes in in my brain and in my spine. Wow. And fast forward, it's, you know, 20 plus years, I have been I haven't seen a neurologist, I don't know, maybe eight, 10, 12 years, eight years. Um, I just had an MRI for a back injury from falling off a horse and there's been no lesions on my spine, um, no disease progression. I've been symptom-free for so long. I even lose count now and I am the epitome of health and mind-heart coherence. Wow. Incredible. I am always just blown away when I hear your story, (laughs) no matter how many times I've heard it. It's just really incredible. And tell me, this hypnotherapy, was it uh, one session? Was it over months? Was it a process you learned? Like, what did that look like? So it started with what I now know as auto-hypnosis. Uh, this was before I had a skilled hypnotherapist. I was using my imagination when I fell asleep at night and when I woke up in the morning. And what I know now is I was in theta brainwaves. Mm-hmm. So I was just using my own imagination, a childlike wonderment imagination, my body healing. Then I sought out a very skilled hypnotherapist uh, who started accessing my negative false core beliefs of myself. and. Mm-hmm. Um, there's usually typically six to seven common core beliefs we all share or interchangeably. Um, I'm unlovable. My primary was I'm not important Mm -hmm. and I'm unlovable. I'm not worthy. Those are my three were my three primary subconscious false beliefs. So working with the skilled hypnotherapist, I was able to rewire, literally rewire my brain and rewire these core false negative beliefs that were imprinted in my life the first seven years of life. And for every human, you imprint your subconscious mind the first seven years of your life because you're walking around in a theta brainwave state. So through hypnotherapy, I rewired my brain and rewired the concept of myself. I am valuable. I am lovable. I am kind. I am worthy. I'm important. So in order to heal myself, it wasn't just positive thinking. That is, you know, 100%. That's only 5% of it. Mm -hmm. I had to heal the 95% of my unknown subconscious belief system through hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. So that's a process of like multiple sessions over time. It took about, I'd say a year. Oh, a year. Wow. That's like a year, like weekly or... 
Um, I did hypnosis weekly for know, three or four months, and then I learned auto hypnosis and did mm-hmm. it auto hypnosis. So I would say about a year in total, but maybe twenty hypnotherapy sessions. Okay, I asked because sometimes people think I, you probably get these calls too because Dr. Hamilton is a hypnotherapist herself. But sometimes people think it's just like one session and I have to explain like, no, this is over time that we work together and we heal these beliefs about yourself. And then I think that the self-hypnosis part, like learning that skill yourself is a really important part of that as well. And it was Dr. Dr. Liz, call me Elizabeth. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Tyler calls me Elizabeth. It's totally fine. It is. It's so subjective. And this is what I tell my patients. If you put the time in, you're going to save money in pocketbook and you have the power to heal your own mind. I'll give you the tools and you can do the work. Yes. I'll have this unlimited potential. So it's such a difficult answer. Well, how long, how long? And that's when we see time so linear. And that's when I start, really start educating and empowering people. This isn't a linear timeframe. That's an old construct. This is just a fluid and present moment when you begin to heal your own mind. Very true. Yes. Yeah. And it's even our system is set up for that linear time frame, you know? <laughs> so it is difficult to, to really explain that. But what's really interesting is that people who have gone through the process, who have come in specifically to work on subconscious beliefs or healing a disease process that stems from that afterwards, they will say, like I had someone say to me, oh, this is a transformative process. Like that's how it differs from CBT or, you know, just general talk therapy. She's like, this was transformative on a really deep level. And I said, yes, absolutely. But it's really hard to explain that sometimes up front to people. It's a cellular, literally a cellular upgrade and a rewiring of the brain. Yes. You are considered um, very rare in the MS world. Yes. <laughs> like I, I had someone recently that came to me to stop vaping. He had MS. I shared your interview with him and I said, you might consider seeing her for the MS process. I don't know if he ended up contacting you, but he looked at me. He's like, MS can't be cured. And I said, well, I didn't say cured, but I said, why don't you just talk to her and see what she has to say, <laughs> you know, but you would consider yourself cured. Yes. Yeah. And you know, five years ago, I would never have used the word cure. I will unequivocally use the word cure now. And I will not claim to cure other people. I do mm-hmm. not, that, but yeah, I, can't. I have physicians that do that on my behalf, but yeah, I absolutely consider myself cured without a, a doubt. What do you mean by physicians doing that on your behalf? I actually work in medical hypnotherapy and uh, medical therapy. And I will only see a patient once they've been cleared by a physician. Um, oh, okay. And after their work with me, I have had, I don't know, past six months, five people been labeled cured by the physician, whether it's ulcerative colitis, uh, Hashimoto's thyroid mast cell activation. Um, it's not my position because I don't run the biometrics. I don't run the testing. So that yeah. is physician's role to label that not mine. I just empower the patient how to do it. Okay, got it. You know, I had another hypnotherapist who I interviewed that worked a lot in the medical field. And she was um, much older. She was like in her late 50s, early 60s. At the time, this was years ago. And she said, like, we can't use the 
the word cure. We're, we're actually not even allowed to. But she's like, but you tell me if someone comes in with IBS and then they haven't had an episode for 10 years, that's that's cured. You know? And she's yeah. like, even though we're not allowed to say it. And, and I was like, yeah, she has a good point. But I, I really love the point you make. Like as um, PhDs, Medically, we really can't use that term. Um, we're not doing biometrics. Absolutely. It's the physician's role to say that. Yeah, I really like that. I work with a fantastic team of physicians that mm-hmm. are cutting, use cutting edge science and quantum biology to treat their patients. And they're they're not stuck in the old paradigm. They're They're innovative. Wow. So let's talk about quantum biology. And let's start with just an explanation of what that is for people who haven't heard the term? We typically think of science and medicine in Newtonian physics. It means there is mechanical, physical parts that can change by either surgery or by drugs. What quantum physics is or quantum mechanics is it's how the universe operates. Quantum biology is the foundation of the universal field. And an easy, easy way to understand it is if you were to hold two magnets, And when you start getting them close enough, they begin to draw to each other. So quantum biology is that space in between the two magnets, the two physical parts, Mm -hmm. that space between that electrical field that you cannot see, but you begin to see the change They begin to draw to each other. So quantum biology is the space between the matter is a very simple way of, of breaking it down. It's electronic field, which resides inside all of our cells. Okay. Got it. And that electromagnetic field is actually measurable two to three feet, some some argue even more, but arguably two to seven feet outside of the human body. So what quantum biology is, it's understanding the electromagnetic field within ourselves. So we break down the word electromagnetic. The sun is electric. Magnetic is the earth. Our body is electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. So space in between the the cells. So another way to look at it is if quantum biology is not looking at the organ, the heart, the liver, the bone, it's looking at the cells that make it up. So what's inside a cell and what causes electromagnetic field? And this is where the healing begins. If you look at an atom and look at the nucleus and then look at the electron in the way to to describe the distance between the nucleus and the electron. If you were to put a basketball in the middle of an arena, like a football field, that's the nucleus. The electrons would be the gnats circulating circulating around the football field. That's how much of a distance there is from the nucleus to electron inside an atom. So what is that space in between the nucleus and the electron? It's electronic field. It's energy. It's energy. It's energy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Look at our bodies. All we literally are is energy, frequency, and vibrations. So quantum biology is using that space between the cells to heal. Mm, Okay. So you're changing the energy, frequency, and vibration between the cells, like how the cells interact with each other. Yes. And that starts with our mind, our thoughts. Okay. And it starts with, and the, this is the, the, that was the, the nano spectrum. Quantum biology is the understanding of subatomic particles, but how does that relate to our health? So we're going to go, we're going to scroll out and go much, much bigger. Mm-hmm. When you, you, you pull away from the, 
the electrons and the atoms and pull all the way back to our thoughts. And they're like, oh, positive thinking. But it's more than that. And this is actually from Dr. Joe Dispenza. This is not for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to summarize his research at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So if you look at our thoughts, our thoughts create a chemical reaction. You have, uh, you think a, a cop car pulls up behind you. Oh my gosh, I'm getting pulled over. You have a thought. And that mm-hmm. thought faces a series of chemical reactions. That chemical reactions creates a feeling. Mm-hmm. Those feelings over time, if every time you see a cop car, you start having pulled up behind you, start having a behavior behind them. Oh my gosh, I have to slow down my speed. Yes. And it becomes a habit. You see a cop car, you you habitually know to slow down. Yes. <laughs> if you think of it in terms of how you live your life. So if you're thinking, your thinking creates um, feelings. Your feelings create a chemical reaction. Those chemical reaction then over time begins to form a temperament. Over time, feelings become a mood. Over time, moods become temperaments. Mm-hmm. Over time, temperaments become habits. Yes. Habits then become a personality. Mm-hmm. It's like you say to someone, they're always in a bad mood. He or she is always in a bad mood. Over time, your personality becomes your personal reality. Mm -hmm. The way I spend my days is how I live my life. So our thoughts create feelings. Feelings create chemical reactions. Those chemical reactions infiltrate our entire body, every part of our body. So if you're in a chronic state of fight, fight, or frozen, you're in a chronic state of stress, chronic state of cortisol, chronic state of adrenals. Mm-hmm. Those molecules of emotions from those thoughts infiltrate the entire body. We now know that we can store trauma, stress, cortisol, adrenals in our body for up to three generations. Whoa, yeah, that's a lot. So you look at when you look at how the body stores stress and trauma, it creates dis-ease within the body. So your thoughts create a feeling, your feelings create a mood, your mood creates a temperament, then your personalities change. Now your body's in a state of dis-ease. It's in a chronic state of fight, flight, or frozen. Mm-hmm. When you can begin to access the subconscious mind and start changing the way that the body responds to the thoughts that's when you can begin to heal your body on a deep cellular level. And this is when traditional psychotherapy doesn't always work. I've seen therapists for 10 years because you're talking, you're talking and talking about the the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. People aren't doing is understanding the subconscious mind, the biology underneath it, how our thoughts create reality. And another way to look at it, we all understand the placebo effect. Yeah, There's a study done where, you know, arbitrarily 20 people were told when they took this cancer treatment that um, 10 of them would lose their hair. Mm-hmm. Well, all 20 were given the placebo and 10 literally lost their hair. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of placebo studies. I think about it with the knee research, like a knee knee surgery. There's a famous one where they took the control group and pretended that they did knee surgery on them and even made the incision and all this stuff, right? And they ended up um, better functioning everything than the group who actually had the knee surgery. <laughs> I think about this and my left knee aches. I think about this study. <laughs> Conversely, it's called the nocebo. The nocebo yes. effect is when we believe something is wrong, our belief system then creates dis-ease. Yes. Over a period of time, it creates diseases. Yes. 
Absolutely. If you think about the subconscious belief, I'm unlovable, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm so stupid, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly, no one loves me. We have arbitrarily 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, arguably how many we have. 70% of those thoughts in most humans are negative. Yeah. So if you have 60,000 thoughts a day that are negative, you are releasing chemical reactions throughout the body that are creating disease in the body. Yeah. That's quantum biology. Yes. Fascinating. And hopeful. I do believe like a good CBT therapist can get there in a much longer time frame, actually. But um, but I think hypnosis, again, you're talking about time that you're working with someone, but it's not 10 years typically. You know, you're talking six months, a year, or something like that, to where the person is really healing on a much deeper level than the talking, just the talking. Agreed. Well, so it's even even could be as shorter than six months. I yeah, they can. a 40-year-old patient who has something called mast cell activation. And mm-hmm. when she eats almost any food, she had anaphylactic reaction, had to have an EpiPen. Wow. She went anaphylactic. After a third session, she, she could introduce 80% more foods. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, mast cell. I am actually familiar with that. Um, from another area that I know about. And it's extremely rare, but it affects her life so much. It really does. And again, yes, it could be much faster than six months, let's say. But it's certainly faster, I believe, than CBT. CBT isn't healing mast cell, typically. It's giving support. It's changing changing how you think about some things. It doesn't get to those subconscious beliefs. It really is a conscious type of process. I mean, again, with the caveat that you get a really skilled CBT therapist, they they can get there sometimes. I'm thinking of like David Burns out in San Francisco who can do, you know, a two-hour session the person feels done. But typically, that's not the therapist you're getting, someone with like 70 years of experience, right? Yeah, CBT is highly effective. It does take a little bit longer. Um mm-hmm. And this is in CBT can be effective in this way, but I do prefer other modalities that really understand the way the, the, the neuroscience behind it. But there's a saying, I do not mean political when I say this, mm-hmm. but what does it mean to be woke in a very non-political sense? It's when you become consciously aware of your subconscious thoughts. When you're able to become consciously aware of your subconscious thoughts, you can change your biology. Well, it is really interesting. And I think you were at this seminar, the one that that um Dabney Ewan gave. Were you at that one? Okay. Yeah. And he he's no longer alive. He passed away a couple of years ago. But I remember him saying, like, you can do this process yourself. You go into your own hypnotic trance. And most this was a seminar for hypnotherapists. So most of us are very skilled at going into a hypnotic trance. We can go pretty quickly. And he said, ask yourself the questions, listen to the answers. And it's like in that way, I think you can learn to access the subconscious thoughts um, that come up. Now, whether you choose to listen to them or not is a whole different matter, though. Yeah, it's like, oh, geez, I really want that answer, you know? Yeah. So true. Because we operate 80, 90% of our day playing a tape recorder, the back of our mind, which is subconscious. Yes. And then you become aware of, oh my gosh, I'm calling myself 
typical woman is I'm so fat. That's just yeah. a, I'm fine. Of 70 pound woman, she's saying to herself, I'm so fat. That's indicative of many women. Oh my gosh, I'm so fat. And you become aware of it. Oh, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't be saying that about myself. Well, now you're beating up your subconscious mind and it's causing more distress and disease and the stress response in the body. From my perspective, after going through um, a very similar process that, that you went through, the what both of our mentors called core healing. And now I just really consider it hypnosis, <laughs> like re- regressive hypnosis. I don't know, however you want to call it. Does it really even need a label? But after going through that process myself, it's those subconscious beliefs completely shifted. So let's say before it was 90% of my day that I felt self-loathing, it really shifted to like the occasional thought that then I could catch of like, oh, what's going on here? Why am I feeling that way? Um, Let me take a look at it. But most of my day, even now, and this has been, I don't know, five years or so that I did that, even now, most of my day is spent more um, in appreciation, gratefulness, the positive stuff going on. So, you know, it is fantastic you mentioned that because that is the vibration that literally rewires the brain and the cellular structure. And it's called transmutation of energy. So if you're subconscious, you're going, I hate myself. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. You're emitting a very low frequency vibration that is measurable. Just like you measure your heart rate and measure your heart, your EKG or an EEG with the brain. These negative thoughts actually have a frequency to them. So when you do they really, oh yes. And it's actually measurable two to three feet outside the human body. The heart, but your heart. You How are they measuring it? Like two or three feet away. So there's Dr. Joe Dispenza is the, the cutting edge of neuroscience, uh-huh. uh, the quantum field and the quantum understanding. He is running these, uh, these mind blowing seminars, which I've attended one, these mind blowing seminars where he's using um, electromagnetic devices to measure the he calls them energy center, typically okay. heart chakra, but he used the term energy center where the heart, if you put it on, if you measure the heart, there's these instruments that can measure it two to three feet outside the human body in horses. It's 20 to 30 feet. Really? A, yes. That's why, that's how birds and horses, they run and, and paws and packs and flocks, uh-huh. um, the human body. That's why when you walk into a room, and something about it just gives you, I call bad juju. You're like, yeah. bad juju, we don't know what it is. Yeah. You actually can physically feel other people's energy. That's why sometimes you feel good in someone's presence. Other times you feel bad because a human body, all it is is frequency of energy. If you break it down to the quantum part of it, think of the electrons, electromagnetic field. So that's measurable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think an easy way to relate to this is sometimes when people are like house shopping or apartment shopping and they walk into a place and structurally it meets all the requirements, but it just feels like, nope, this is not it. Or this was a very happy home or, um, or it wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. And then it goes back to the magnet, the, the, the having two magnets, you can't see it, but there's a field there. It's a magnetic field. It's the quantum field. Okay. When they're doing an EEG of those negative thoughts, I can actually see that on the EEG is what you're saying. Lower vibrations. Yes. Okay. You can actually, so think about, I'm I'm trying to keep it so it doesn't sound so uh, disorganized, but when you are operating in a sad, depressed state, yeah, feel low. 
But when you're operating, let's say you have a great Christmas morning or Hanukkah morning or just something where you just brings you joy, Mm -hmm. you're operating from a higher vibration. A sense of gratitude is a frequency that resonates throughout the entire body and the the brain and the heart are electromagnetic impulses, thoughts, electromagnetic, heart impulses, electrical wiring. When you're experiencing the sense of gratitude, the electrical impulses from the mind, the brain, electrical impulses from the heart become a coherence, like a metronome operating at the optimal pace. Ah, interesting. When we experience a sense of gratitude, when I teach people, when you first start this process, well, how do I rewire my brain? I literally start with fine gratitude. I just said this. (laughs) I just want five minutes of of like peacefulness, happiness. I said, well, that is easy. It's like, what? That's super easy. Start writing a gratitude list. That's it. It shifts you into a more positive state. You will end up feeling peaceful or happy, at least during those five minutes. But we know from research for far longer. And he was like, oh, my God, like a year ago, that would have sounded really cheesy to me. But he's like, but I trust you because you've helped me so much. I'm like, I'm telling you, like, it is so easy. You know, you don't, you don't even need, you didn't really need to pay me a lot of money to teach you that. (laughs) But here you are. So, And that's you, you've hit the nail precisely on the head. It's a state of being. Yeah. It's if, if we. We, how we live our days is how we spend our life. And if you live your days in stress, your life is stressed. Therefore, your health is going to be indicative of that. Yes. If you live your days in gratitude for the tiniest thing, like I was walking down the stairs, I've had two ACL replacements, and I was like, thank you so much for me, my ability to walk down these stairs. It's just taking three seconds yeah. to just get the coherence in my frequency of my body to just feel gratitude. Yes. Yes. And by the way, for the listeners, if you exchange gratitudes with someone, like you have a gratitude partner, the effects of that um, positivity actually more than double. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to, girl, I am just going to just highlight that for those in the back room, say it even louder. Yeah. I, so true. And I have a friend where we we send our gratitude every day. And it's not always, you know, first thing in the morning. Um, and of course, we miss a day here or there. We're not trying for perfection here. But it is a really interesting process of, yeah, I am doing this for myself, for her, for both of us to feel more positive throughout the day. There's also research around um, chronic pain, how it decreases the pain levels for anyone dealing with chronic pain, um, just simply writing that gratitude list. That's it. <laughs> it's so easy, right? I mean, to us, it looks so easy. But once you begin doing it, it actually does become easier. So like you were saying, then you begin to feel like your life is easier. So how how I started when I was going through a difficult time in my life, um, I had to start practice all that I've all that I've known, uh, walking through a couple of dark valleys, shadow nights, just horrible times. I've had, okay, go back to the basic, go back to what you know. And I couldn't feel gratitude, but I knew this was the process to get back to being a mind heart coherent. So I'd write down, I am grateful for, and I'd write down a friend's name. I'm grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my knees. I'm grateful for my breath, but I couldn't feel gratitude. 
I, but I could write it down. I am grateful for, but yeah. writing down the statement, I am, you begin to take ownership. Um, yes. Whenever we say I am, we own something. I, I am sick. We well, just took ownership of being sick. Yes. I have MS. We used to call ownership of MS. I always say I was diagnosed with MS. I never said I have MS. Oh. You say I am grateful. You are taking ownership. If you take ownership of that for a week or two weeks or three days or two days, one day you're going to actually say, I feel grateful. Yeah. Being grateful is very different than I am grateful. Feeling grateful elicits a neurobiological response that begins to rewire our brains and our bodies and our energy, frequency, and vibrations. So if you don't feel grateful yet, which is very difficult to, to get to in, in very dark times, yes, start with, I am grateful. Yeah, it's a great tip. And the brain will start looking for ways to start feeling grateful because I am is a state of being. Be very mindful of the words that you choose. I am sick. I am chronically ill. I have a disease. I am a victim because the body will memorize what the brain has told it. Yes. Yes. It will begin to look for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can prime yourself for that. You can say to yourself, um, Look for the, I'm going to look for the smallest positive change today. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I started off, sorry, please go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I used to say when I was, I had to restart this. So to, to give a summary to listeners, I healed myself from MS, but then I went through another very, very dark, dark time in my life as I had to leave a very abusive situation. So I had to start all over from scratch. I was having they, they wanted to put a pacemaker in my heart. And I was like, no, 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 wait, give me six months. I know how to do this. My electrical wire in my heart was all off. And it was as a result of the abuse. So I was like, wait, give me six months. This is what I do. So I had to literally start from the bottom up all over again. So during this process of just tearing it down and starting from scratch, it was just beginning to imagine how I wanted to feel. I couldn't comprehend what peace felt like. I couldn't comprehend what gratitude felt like. But if I kept saying, I am a victim, I am sick, I have a heart condition, I would become that. So I knew in order to become something different, I had to change my my neural linguistics, my, my language of my brain. Yes. I am healthy. I am well. I am healing. Yes. That's because I couldn't feel it yet. I couldn't feel any of those things. I couldn't feel anything. I was numb, broken, despaired. I couldn't feel. Mm-hmm. But I knew how to begin to feel again was just by changing my language. Then my body would follow with the feeling eventually. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And evidence does support that. Absolutely. The body will eventually catch up to you, to your mind. <laughs> and this, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cite Joe Dispenza again, and I'll give a list at the end of, of you know, researches I based my modality on. But the the body cannot tell the difference of what the brain is imagining or experiencing. Yeah, and that's when we wake up from our dream. It feels like we really have fallen off a cliff, and your body's responding, and all you do is imagine it. So throughout the day, if you're imagining all these horrible things, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I get fired? What if I can't pay my bills? 
your body's in a perpetual state of fight, fight, or frozen, which creates disease. Mm-hmm. So it's, even if you can't feel it, you can begin to subconsciously rewire the brain by just thinking, I am healthy. I am healing. I am well. I am financially abundant. I am lovable. The feelings become part of the body, and that's when the cellular quantum biology changes. Okay, got it. It's really incredible. So as a hypnotherapist, what are you doing to ratify that? Like, are you exploring that with them? I mean, uh, to give you an example, I've it, in my practice, I used to just ask for like 10 qualities that someone wants to be or feel when I was just doing core healing. And I realized like how valuable that was because it oriented people to how they wanted to be and feel. So I began asking that as a standard intake question of like anyone who came to me, whether it was for hypnosis or not, of how, give me 10, a list of 10 of how you want to be and feel. Like <laughs> what I do. That's so funny. I, this is so, you know, this, we don't need to know people's trauma and we definitely trauma-informed care does not rehash it. Right. How, how do you, people want to talk about their past? And I understand that's very therapeutic and has many, many qualities, but I'm interested in how do I heal your future? How do you want to feel? Because I can get you to feel how you want to feel. And yes. that's the exact same questions I ask. How do you want to feel? I get how you feel. How do you want to feel? Absolutely. Yes. And it is a shift for people because I think they are used to therapists who just want to talk about the past. And I I have the same reaction. I mean, maybe that's why we become hypnotherapists. I don't know. Of Yes, I need to know your story but we are not getting stuck in it. We are moving towards the future of how you do want to be and feel, because I'm assuming if you're here, you want to be and or feel differently than how you came in. This is why you're seeing me. So we start there. Yeah. So in for hypnotherapy, how is it used? I Yes. The first question, it's interesting. We haven't even compared notes on this. I do the same thing. Tell me how you want to feel. Yeah. And I write down what, what they're what they're saying because their language will convey to me what is wrong. Well, I'm just always so constipated and bloated. Mm-hmm. I, I want to feel relief. I know right there they're they're in a frozen response because the GI tract will always tattletale what's happening. So uh constipation <laughs> <laughs> is funny. Yeah. Constipation and bloating means they're stuck in frozen response. I've got diarrhea. I'm I, I'm scared to go out in public because I always have to run to the bathroom. All the toilets are okay. Now I know they're in flight response. Yeah, I'm just my heart is always racing when I know they're in fight response. They're really pissed off. Yeah, how I, I want to feel relief. And then so for hypnotherapy, it's first thing, and Elizabeth, you know this. It's it's raising their self efficacy their self-confidence to know that they have the power to heal themselves, that they are not a victim of what other people told them that they are. Yeah. Yeah. So the second thing is understanding what they want to feel. The second thing is building up what we we call ego state, building up their their self-confidence that Mm -hmm. they have the power to do this. So the second phase of hypnotherapy is empowering. Yes. And then I'm just going to break it down to formula and it's it, it, then it's understanding what inner child wounds that they're still carrying that happened the first seven, eight years of life. And that's where the subconscious programming comes in. I'm unlovable. I'm unwanted. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. And it's getting to that inner child ego state work, healing those wounds, and then using quantum biology to 
catapult them into health that they didn't even know was comprehensible. Living in a perpetual state of joy. And it's actually called a quantum leap. Yeah, yeah. And to, to, to really right. break... That's this, the quantum leap equals transform, transformation, right? This, On a deep cellular level, yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, it is really interesting because when you do that type of work, you do end up feeling, feeling changed. It is a leap. It's not just like going back to your regular life and feeling the same way. Absolutely not. And I, I watch quantum leaps know, three, four times a week. And every time I kid you not, I start bawling like a baby. It is the most. <laughs> oh, I am one of those therapists that cries. Absolutely. I cry for the joy, not the trauma. I'm in my clinical brain, but when I see yeah. a transformation, I I can't be a doctor. I am a human witnessing this miraculous moment and I sob with them in joy. Yeah. And what I see happen is they're in the same room because I do virtual. They're in their same room, same house, same car, same job, same family, but the world looks different. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And it's yeah, like, the, and the world is different. Like it is literally perceived differently by them, by your brain, by your body. And this is a, a really good way to describe it. And if any of our arachnophobia, please like tune this part out. But if you see a spider <laughs> with like eight different eyes, there's eight different perspectives or views to see the world. And I will help the people, hypnotherapists, we help the people find the exact right optimal lens to view the world, to have a state of being, of enjoying each moment, enjoy, enjoying the moment, to just find the right lens where the mind and the heart are incoherence, the body's incoherence. When yes. you live in gratitude and you feel peace, the body just simply follows and you create wellness. That's a wonderful, wonderful way to put it. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't have to do the dishes. You still do. But, but the, the dishes may feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always say, oh, I just get me through this human experience. I want to get back to my happy place. <laughs> right. Well, the water may feel really warm and nice running over your hands. You may be very grateful to have a, a dishwasher or food or plates to wash because you had food. I don't know. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Well, you are so inspirational, Skylar. Um, we are coming to the end of our time together, but thank you so much for being here. Do you want to give us some of the references? I know you cited Joe Dispenza. I don't know if there's others you want to talk about and also let people know how to contact you. Yeah, Joe Dispenza, brilliant, brilliant work. I just highly recommend it to everyone. Um, anywhere that, that strikes you interest, click on the YouTube link. Uh, Bruce Lipton is how I started biology of belief. Yeah. It's wonderful. Book. Yeah. And if you want to get a little more scientific, Candace Pert, she is the grandmother of, uh, molecules of emotion. She, a female started it all. Yeah. She's long since passed, but molecules of emotion is a fantastic one to, to, to start with. But, and then if you're healing from trauma or chronic illness, uh, Peter Levine is another one. So Bruce Lipton, mm -hmm. Joe Dispenza. Kansas Pert and then Peter Levine or Levine. Those yes. are the four basics that I just tell everyone to start. And YouTube is a great way to start. Yeah. And Joe Dispenza is all over YouTube. Um, he has the free ones on YouTube, but he also has paid files that um, that I love. I think I listened to his morning one for about a year every morning while I was working out. <laughs> That's what I would do it. I, 
people imagine like you're in a meditative state when you do that. But um, mostly oh. I just listen to them when I work out. Like this is fantastic. Yeah, I listen to it while I'm I'm walking actually because a lot oh. of science behind walking and um. Yeah. So those are great starts and I can be found. Actually, I'm on TikTok, Dr. Sky. Yes. Um, I love your TikTok. I'm a big <laughs> fan of TikTok. So. I'm always no makeup and a baseball cap most of the time. FYI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you get really good information on the TikTok um, a lot about narcissistic abuse, but also other stuff. Yeah. And just mind body healing. And then also uh, drsky.net, my website. Okay, drsky.net. Wonderful. Well, again, thanks for being on the podcast again. And I'm always so grateful for your wisdom. I'm very appreciative of you. Thank you so much and allow me the opportunity to just help empower other people. I'm truly, truly appreciative. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.